This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. Tonight, as older Americans are getting vaccinated, younger Americans are getting infected by coronavirus variants. The race to contain a spring surge. A vaccine record, four million doses in just one day. But the CDC says it's young people driving spikes nationwide. The new COVID hotspot, Michigan, where the number of new infections is five times higher in less than two months. Plus, the new cleaning guidelines to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Derek Chauvin's former boss testifies. The Minneapolis police chief who fired the officer says Chauvin absolutely violated policy by keeping his knee on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. Plus, the ER doctor on what killed Floyd. Fear of collapse, the danger tonight at a Florida reservoir that could unleash millions of gallons of contaminated water, the state of emergency and evacuation orders. Understaffed, struggling and in mourning, Capitol Police officers plead for more resources after another deadly attack. Tonight, new details on the suspect who ran down two officers and the knife he was carrying. Crisis at the border. We travel to Central America where a mother tells us why she's leaving her three children behind. Hundreds of hikers evacuated after lava flows from a volcano in Iceland. And truly March Madness. The buzzer beaters and the coach who lost the championship but won the weekend just by being a mom. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight with new fears. The U.S. is at the beginning of a fourth wave of coronavirus infections, this time fueled by young people. Tonight, the head of the CDC says cases are increasing nationwide, caused by the spread of those more contagious variants of the virus, including one first discovered in the United Kingdom. And she says she's especially concerned about students who haven't been vaccinated yet and aren't following social distancing rules. The CDC says it's seeing outbreaks happening around the reopening of schools, especially tied to extracurricular activities and youth sports. The warning tonight, follow the rules until young people can get vaccinated. And while the White House is touting the number of adults who have now gotten at least one shot, the president's senior advisor for pandemic response said today the war against COVID is far from over and that Americans can't mistake progress for victory. And nowhere is that clearer than in Michigan tonight, where infections and hospitalizations are now worse than anywhere else in the country. So CBS's David Begno is there and is going to lead off our coverage from a hard-hit hospital in Lansing. Good evening, David. Good evening, Nora. You know where cases are rising the fastest right now among those ages 10 to 29, but they are the lowest among those ages 70 and older. And it's the 70 and older that account for the majority of people who've been vaccinated so far. We're very, very, very close to being completely full. Tonight, the newest COVID epicenter is Michigan. And it's a mystery as to why. I don't know what's going on here. Michigan is just one of the hardest hits. 39-year-old Scott Nicewanger says his son may have gotten infected at his daycare center. We all went and got tested and all came back positive and just been down, downhill spiral since then. He's been here at Lansing Sparrow Hospital since Friday. Just feels like somebody was sitting on my chest. 500-pound guy sitting on my chest. And I just couldn't push him off. Nationwide, the latest spike in COVID cases is driven by younger Americans, according to the CDC. We are learning that many outbreaks in young people are related to youth sports and extracurricular activities. According to CDC guidance, these activities should be limited. Also, there is a spike in the B117 variant that originated in the UK and is now believed to be responsible for a third of all the cases here in the United States. We know that B117 is more transmissible, somewhere between 50 and 100 percent more transmissible. Whether it's more transmissible specifically in different age demographics, we don't yet have evidence. Look at this jump in new COVID cases here in Michigan. But there's also good news nationwide. Four million vaccinations were reported on Saturday alone. Now, more than one in five American adults is fully vaccinated, and 40% have received at least one dose. And just today, Michigan said anyone 16 years or older can be vaccinated, joining 27 other states in expanding eligibility and essentially saying, if you want one, come and get it. You get so excited because the vaccine is out, and it's a little bit disheartening to see the spread outpacing the vaccine. What's going through your head as you ride another wave? Here we go again. We're just trying to hold each other up and stay positive as best we can. And David joining us more. And tell us about the CDC issuing these dramatic changes to its cleaning guidelines. Yeah, so they said today that fogging, fumigation, and electrostatic spraying, Nor, which is what a lot of U.S. airlines use to clean the airplanes before we fly in them, those are now not advised as a primary safety cleaning method because the CDC says there are a lot of safety risks to consider with that. 
Lots of new rules there. All right, David, thank you. Crucial testimony today at Derek Chauvin's murder trial. The Minneapolis police chief told the jury that Chauvin violated his training by pinning his knee on George Floyd's neck while Floyd was handcuffed and lying on his stomach. CBS's Jamie Yukis is following the trial. Astonishing testimony from Minneapolis's top cop. When I look at Exhibit 17 um, and when I look at the facial expression of, of, of Mr. Floyd, that does not appear in any way, shape, or form that that is light to moderate pressure. Chief Madera Arredondo, the first black person to lead that city's police force, tearing down the blue wall of silence and condemning Derek Chauvin's use of force on George Floyd. To continue to apply that level of force to a person proned out, handcuffed behind their back, that that in no way, shape, or form is anything that um, uh, is by policy, is not part of our training, and it is certainly not part of our ethics or our values. Arredondo says his officers are required to know department policies, including the use of de-escalation techniques, which he did not see in the videos. That action... Um, is not de-escalation. That action um, goes contrary to, uh, to what we're taught. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman. What are the implications for a juror when they see the chief of police testifying against someone who used to be an employee? It cannot possibly be underestimated what influence a chief of police would have on a juror. A juror is a citizen of this county. And they look to this police chief as the person who has the aura of authority. Arredondo, seen here kneeling in front of Floyd's hearse, fired Chauvin and the three other officers who were at the scene. He later released this statement saying, quote, Mr. George Floyd's tragic death was not due to a lack of training. The training was there. He goes on to say that what happened to Mr. Floyd was murder. Earlier, Bradford Langenfeld, the doctor who pronounced Floyd dead at the hospital, took the stand. He says Floyd's cardiac arrest was most likely due to a lack of oxygen. At the time, based on the information I had, it was more likely than the other possibilities. And, and doctor, is there another name for death by oxygen deficiency? Asphyxia is a commonly understood term. Defense attorney Eric Nelson took more than an hour to try and pick apart the chief's testimony, showing at the time of the incident it was not against policy to use a knee on the neck as a use of restraint. Nora? Jamie Ukas, thank you. We're going to turn now to Florida, where tonight there is a frantic effort to prevent a catastrophic flood from a wastewater pond near Tampa. Hundreds have been evacuated. Crews are pumping out millions of gallons of toxic water to relieve pressure at the pond. And CBS's Janet Shamlian has late word on a new setback. Tonight, a potential second leak in the containment pond that still holds almost 300 million gallons of toxic water from a long-abandoned phosphate plant. At approximately 2 a.m., an infrared drone identified a signature that could indicate a second breach at the engineering team evacuated the site. A collapse of the aging reservoir could send a 20-foot wall of wastewater into nearby areas. That's why 30 million gallons of the contaminated water are being pumped every 24 hours into Tampa Bay and other waterways, raising fears it could kill fish and wildlife. 
some 300 homes and a nearby prison already under evacuation orders. It's just such a breach of trust for, you know, for us in the community. Melissa Fitzsimmons lives on the border of the evacuation zone and is taking no chances. Thankfully, um, we have family that live a couple miles down the road. So we've kind of brought everything there that we need to and then are just preparing, you know, I guess for the worst. Phosphate production used primarily in fertilizer is a lucrative business in Florida, but environmentalists call it a cradle to grave pollutant from mining it to the wastewater left behind. All over uh, Florida and, and even all over the country. Environmental activist Brooks Armstrong says the plants uh, and containment ponds are often in low-income areas. The people don't have a lot of choices. If, you know, like, oh, I'm going to sell my house and move out. That might not be an option. And tonight, a bigger issue remains what to do with the wastewater from phosphate plants like this one. As these aerials show, there are some two dozen retention ponds, just like Piney Point, all across Florida. They've got about a billion gallons of toxic water in them. And right now, there is no real plan with how to deal with them. Nora? That is stunning. Janet Shamlan, thank you. Well, tonight, the head of Capitol Police Union says his officers are reeling from the death Friday of veteran officer Billy Evans. Evans was killed and a second officer injured when a driver slammed them into a barricade with his car. We get more now from CBS's Jeff Pegues. Capitol Hill police were back on guard today, just three days after the attack that left one of their own dead and increased calls for more security around the building. The Capitol is a target. And it has been a target. It's such a strong symbol of democracy that those who want to uh, call attention to themselves or uh, cause damage to our democracy will continue to attack it. 25-year-old Noah Green was shot and killed after he targeted officers, ramming his sedan into a barricade just steps from the Capitol and attacking officers with this large knife. CBS News has learned that investigators are focused on Green's mental health, believing he suffered from delusions, paranoia, and suicidal thoughts. With two attacks in just the last three months, the Capitol Hill Police Union warned of a crisis in morale and force numbers. The department currently over 200 short of the 2,000 officers required, with many considering retiring early. Ken Shaver, who survived the attack, left the hospital this past weekend with a hero's send-off. But friends and family continue to mourn Officer William Evans, an 18-year veteran of the force and father of two who died in Friday's incident. Jason LaForce was a childhood friend. He loved to meet the people that came to the U.S. Capitol and to serve the lawmakers, uh, many of whom he knew quite well. And Jeff joins us now in the Capitol Police. They say they're under more stress than ever. Nora, overtime off the charts. According to some accounts, 720,000 hours of overtime expended because of the constant security threat out here. And also some younger members of the force are openly talking about transferring out to other agencies. Nora. Jeff Pegues, thank you. And tonight, Arkansas Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson faces a battle with state lawmakers after he vetoed an anti-transgender health care bill. The measure would have made Arkansas the first state to ban transgender procedures for those under 18. Hutchinson called it vast government overreach, but the legislature can override his veto. 
Also tonight, the scramble continues to find places to house all of the unaccompanied minors who keep streaming across America's southern border. Nearly 19,000 arrived in March alone. Thousands more adults are also risking their lives to try to get in. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez traveled to Central America to learn what's driving this migration. This is Campur, a town in Guatemala's highlands devastated by flooding last fall. So this was your bedroom. Beverly Alvarado Cahuec showed us what's left of her home. (laughs) There's nothing. Everything was ruined. The entire village was underwater for weeks, hit by back-to-back hurricanes, displacing more than 300,000 Guatemalans. You don't know what you'll do? I don't know what you do. As a mom, she says, I'm hopeful that one day my son will be a professional. But the floods destroyed schools and ruined crops. The hit to agriculture took away how most here earn a living. How many people that you know of have left to the United States? A lot. In the last few weeks, how many people have left that you know of? How many? Mm, Now, six people. Six people. She knows the U.S. border is closed, but people, she says, are still willing to take the chance. So far this fiscal year, more than 60,000 Guatemalans have been apprehended at the southwest border. In Campur, Aurora Chokchuk, a single mother of three whose house was gutted, has made the decision to head to the U.S. What would you say to people who think you shouldn't go to the United States? an opportunity to work. That means leaving behind her three sons, the youngest, only two. I don't know if I'll be able to come back one day and hug them, she says. Her oldest son processing it for the first time. He doesn't have the words. For now, the words between Beverly, who plans to stay, and Aurora are goodbye. Aurora plans to leave next week, a journey she believes could last up to a month as she heads to Houston, nearly 1,600 miles away. For those who remain here, progress on rebuilding is slow, and there are already concerns about the upcoming hurricane season. Nora? Manny Bohorquez, thank you. Tonight, a warning if you've gotten your COVID shot. Some health officials are saying don't have your vaccine card laminated. The process can damage the card, smudging the ink or making it illegible. And you may also need to write in later vaccinations if booster shots are needed. History was made at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Four actors of color swept the major award Sunday night. The late Chadwick Boseman was posthumously named Best Actor for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The others honored Viola Davis, Daniel Kaluuya, and Yu Young Yoon. Also, a spectacular sight in Iceland today, a second eruption at a newly active volcano. Look at these pictures. Hikers were evacuated after the new lava flow was spotted by helicopter. The eruptions, the first for that volcano in nearly 800 years, have drawn thousands of tourists. Later tonight, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship right here on CBS. Gonzaga versus Baylor. Who's your pick? Well, if it's anywhere close to what we saw over the weekend, we are in for a treat. Here's CBS's Dana Jacobson. It was a weekend full of magical moments. Stanford survives! 
like this down-to-the-wire miss by Arizona, giving the Stanford women their first title in 29 years. What a season from this group. The few fans allowed under strict COVID rules even celebrated the losing coach, Adia Barnes. The mother of two had been late to the court after the half because she'd been pumping breast milk for her six-month-old. After the game, Barnes was ever the proud working mom. I represent moms. You can be coached. You can be at an elite level. You can do it. By no means did the women's side corner the market on March Madness. Gonzaga freshman Jalen Suggs delivered this instant classic, putting his team on the brink of a national championship. That's something that you practice, you know, on your mini hoop as a kid or in the gym, just messing around. And to to be able to do that, uh, it's crazy. How about that? Tonight's final matchup against Baylor pits the top two ranked men's teams against each other for the first time in 15 years. What a dominant first half performance. Exactly the kind of drama a pandemic-weary country can celebrate. Dana Jacobson, CBS News, New York. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, how a businesswoman is helping little kids battle big health problems by turning them into superheroes. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Enjoy the games tonight. Good night. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder... Why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.